a reactive message to something. And instead of me reacting to it, like my initial thought when I read it was like, uh, like I made a mistake or I, I need to correct this and I need to respond to this right away. I controlled my second thought. Also, I used my breath. I think that that is another tool, connecting with the fact that you're breathing and that you can take a deep breath and not respond and let yourself get clarity on what's actually running through your head. That puts a lot in perspective. Welcome back to the Thrive on Life podcast. We're CJ and Erin Finley, lifelong best friends turned husband and wife that started a brand to inspire others to make the most out of the one life we all get to live. We are on a mission to help others in the pursuit of thriving in all areas of life through community, connection, and the sharing of knowledge. This series of the podcast with us as your hosts will feature unfiltered conversations on topics of life, marriage, parenthood, health, wellness, and what we consider the The art art of thriving. thriving. Let's dive in. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive in Life podcast. And today we're going to keep it interesting and just do random questions. So we're going to start off with... You forgot to introduce me. Oh, my lovely wife, Erin <laughs> Finley. That's how I always introduce you. But I wanted to get right into it tonight. So random questions. First question that I came up with Wait, is... Before we get into this, we don't know what questions we're going to ask each other. This is just rapid yeah, so back fire. and forth. Back and forth, rapid fire, on the fly. What is something as a mother that you're doing? Maybe it's a mindset and an attitude, a characteristic that you've been utilizing since motherhood that you wish you would have instilled in yourself prior to being a mother? That is a good question. I think it would probably be how I view time in the sense that like we have to be a lot more disciplined with the time that we have. I feel I've always been disciplined with my time, but now that I'm a mom, I realize how little time I have that's considered free time. And as a result, I'm much more efficient and effective at things like my job. So I'm I feel like I've, I think I've adopted a, (laughs) I don't know how to even summarize this, but I'm much better at like closing the books on the day and moving on to the next thing that I have to do as a parent versus I think without the urgency uh, and demands of a baby, I can prolong what I'm doing. I can maybe not be as effective with time spent and I'm and not I don't want to paint the yeah, picture that I'm not effective only about effectiveness yeah no I don't it's not just all about effectiveness but what I mean is like I'm much more decisive how uh, would that have been advantageous prior to motherhood because I think it would have enabled a little bit more freedom of time in other areas give us an example Because someone out there right now is not a mother and listening to this and... I think a better better way of saying it is prioritizing, okay? That's probably the better way of summarizing what I'm really trying to say, which is I'm separating priorities. So like in my day, I'll have my motherhood priorities, 
my personal priorities and then my work priorities. And those priorities are all important. There can't be a million of them in each bucket. I have to every day think about what are the top three to five things that I have to get done today. Some of them are routine, right? And then some of them are just depending on the day. But the time that I spend towards each of those priorities has to be very But what you did right there is you created pillars. So it sounds like in today, it sounds like today what you are doing is you have clearly defined the pillars that matter in your life and you're prioritizing what needs to be done each day within those pillars. I think I've always done that. But yes, this is probably a better forcing function to make that consistent. I mean, I would argue against that you always haven't done that. You would, I've always done like you would work kick self. The, you would like kick the can down the curb. Like I catch you scrolling or I catch you doing certain things that aren't within a pillar. I would say you're staying within the pillars more so now than like deviating from the Well, path. now it's like I spend so much time as a mom and being present with our son and with you that I think back and I'm like, what was I doing with this time before? Deviating. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just prying a little We're bit. We're working but I, more. I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with your statement and I've, I've felt the same thing where I don't know if it's necessarily prioritization as much as my constraints are just... This constraint on time is greater. That's what I was saying at first. Yeah. So they're just is no time for anything else but the pillars. Right. So I guess my advice to other people out there would just be from listening to you is two, two pronged. Like life, I don't believe is just about effectiveness. Like if you have the freedom, utilize it for deviation on the path because mm -hmm. you won't be able to deviate as much. But then two, if you are, somebody who's really trying to build something or go to the top of the mountain and you have the time to do so now without children, like you have a lot of freaking time to like really invest into something. And that's something that I don't think as many people really understand how much time they truly did have prior to kids once they have a child. Yeah. Am I answering this question too? Or are we just flipping? Flip a switch. All right, let's just switch it. This is a random um, one. When you said something about a mountain, and it made me think of this. <laughs> um, if I thought you already had one prior to we get, get got on here. I forget what it was. Um, if your journey of what you deem to be success in life looked like a mountain, like if you're climbing a mountain and the top of the mountain is your ultimate success, where are you on the mountain right now? <sighs> That's a loaded question. I just want to see how you think. It doesn't have to be like a perfect answer. I just want to know how you would. I mean, you know me, nothing is to perfection. Um, I mean, the way that my brain works, I guess that's what you're looking at, is just like, I think in numbers, like I'm a, I'm a systems, I'm a nerdy guy where it's just like, okay, the top of a mountain, how many feet is a really large mountain? And then like, if I were to break it down into a fraction, how high am I? That's how I normally think. So I'm actually going to go against how I would normally think and instead 
go with like how I feel, which is something that I'm learning to do rather than try to quantify everything, just go based on my feelings. I feel like I'm, I've already hit the top of mountains. So, and what I mean by that is if my life stayed the same way it is like right now, where it was like some travel, doing creative things, having a career, the career path that I have and having more kids. If it just stayed that way, I would, I think I would be pretty happy for the rest of my life. And that's something I've strived to feel, I think for a long time, especially somebody that's like struggled with illness and anxiety and other issues that I've had. I am more fit than I've ever been. I feel mentally sharper than I've ever been. I'm the happiest I've ever been and more fulfilled throughout my days with family and friends. The struggle I'm having right now is what mountain to climb. That's how I feel if I'm not quantifying. Now, if I quantify... Really complicated answer. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm a complicated person. If I quantified it, like you could look at it as I'm like 32 years old, like there's so much more mountain I could potentially climb in all areas of my life, career, relationship with you. I think what you're getting kids. at is each, like here's how I think you're trying to answer this is that you view success and kind of like different pillars and, and certain, certain pillars you've reached the pinnacle and you feel like there's nothing more that you need to climb for. In others, you feel there could be a whole nother mountain ahead, right? So that's that's kind of how I feel like you're trying to answer that, if I were to dissect it. Yeah, like there's, there's things that I want to learn, so I'm going to start on the bottom of the mountain. But then there's other areas in my life where, like our home, for instance, I, I never need a bigger home than we have right now. Like, I don't know why people want mansions. Like, it just not, like, doesn't do it for me. Or, like, really nice cars. Like, those aren't mountains that I want to climb. So I'm struggling to figure out, like, which ones I want to climb because I got to the top of my mountains. Like, healthy family, like what I do, very close to my wife and my family and my friends. Like, what more to life really? And an athlete. Like, I want to be a really good athlete. Like, what else really is there? I just love it. I love waking up every day. That's awesome. What would be your advice to somebody who feels like maybe they don't, they don't love something about where they're at right now? The beauty is I've been, I've been there. I think that's the beautiful part of life is that there's peaks and valleys. The, the peaks, the, the top of the mountain wouldn't feel like the top if you were never at the bottom. Right. If if you just helicopter to the top, doesn't give you the same feeling as if you had a machete and you were climbing your way up. I think the advice for anybody else out there is one, visualize that is just like the journey is the impactful part. Wherever you're at right now, whatever you're fighting through, that is the part that matters. That's the part I remember. Once you're at the top, you're going to find new problems just like I have right now. Like, I don't know what the next thing 
is and you're still going to have problems no matter where you're at. So the more that you can embrace understanding where you're at is one ahead of where you were. And then two, you have a shot to wake up tomorrow and take steps up the mountain. If you choose, you can either stay stagnant, you can go roll down the mountain or you can go up. And for me, I always choose like, if I'm alive, I'm just going to keep going up. I think that realization of just like being grateful for where you're at and, mm-hmm. and having the opportunity is really, is really what matters. I guess we'll stay on the theme of mountains. What mountain have you climbed in the past that you wish you never even started climbing? So what is something you've done in your life or chased or a goal that maybe when you look back on it, something that wasn't truly you, you just did it for whatever reason. There's a couple I have in mind for myself. Uh, I'm not, I don't really look back on anything and wish I didn't do certain things. It's more of, for me, it's looking, when I look back and reflect, it's more from the perspective of like, what didn't I do versus what did I do and regret that I did it? So I feel like what you're getting at is kind of like maybe the way we went down a certain career path or yeah, but chase accolades I and mean, certain things. It's the same thing. If you went down a certain path and it stopped you from another path, that means that you went down the goal that wasn't really aligned with what you would have done. That's but I don't think you can know what's aligned until you do something that maybe isn't super aligned. So... But you're telling me that you've never stayed in something long enough where you knew it was misaligned, but you kept staying in it. We've all done that. We're humans. I mean, that could be a relationship. <laughs> that could be a job. That could be a lot of things. Yeah, and yeah, people I, out I think, there right now are in that. So if you're in it, how's the, what are the mental models that people should be thinking about? I think the reason why you don't... why We've talked about this on an, uh, previous episodes, but the reason why... You, you might be going down a path that you feel isn't super aligned to what you want to do or want to feel, whether that's a relationship or a job or a place where you live or the people you spend your time with. If you're sensing that there needs to be a change, the reason why I think people don't make the change is because of fear of rejection or fear of loneliness or fear of making a mistake or fear that you've invested and you don't want to waste the investment that you've made, whether that's investment of time, investment of money, investment of education, whatever it is. I think that there's a lot, those are the biggest roadblocks. I think that stop people from pivoting in whatever area. So I think to make a change, you have to start asking yourself the question, hard questions of like, what do I need to start doing differently? Like little things, like what can I control to start doing differently to feel more aligned in my life with the people I'm with, with my relationships, with so, my career? So to rephrase this question so that you like it better and you'll answer it, what mountains do you wish you would have been climbing earlier on in your life? For me, a good example, running. 
I started running in 2020. I wish I started prior to that. Why? Why do you wish? Because of the value it's added to my life since I started it. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I think that I just go back to, sure, I could have started running earlier, but I feel like when I started so the, running, it was the you, right time. You, you rebel against when I ask questions like this. You've done it on podcasts before, but the key to a better future is reflecting on your past and understanding where in the present moment you can make better decisions so that we don't ask the same questions 10 years down Oh, yeah, and I was going to ask you that as a question, but... So, so it's not about whether you regret it or not. It's an objective view. It's saying like, I wish I would have started X because the value I gained from X is Y and that value helps me okay. earn Z. I wish we started podcasting 10 years ago. Great. Why? Because I feel like asking ourselves and having this time for each other to really go deep on certain questions that have implications for our future and our life and how we think about that and plan it has been really valuable. And if you go back to the value that it brings, I think that it helps us be more clear with our, our thoughts. It helps us communicate. It helps us listen and understand people. It helps us articulate better. So all those things I can feel parlay into my job at work and how I talk to people or how I talk to anyone. So this would be an example of something that I wish we started sooner. And it's not just for the metrics of, oh, maybe we'd have more listeners or whatever. Like, no, I think it's all the personal but growth. That's the cool part. Like, when have we ever talked about downloads or listeners? Yeah, I don't, I don't think care. a single time. We just do the podcast because of the reason that you said, which is why I'm asking For me, this, this is more of a, a conversation like, that so, like we would have anyway, and it's just, just people can be a fly on the wall to that. So what is that thing them. today? That's why this question is important. Mm, okay. So what is podcasting today? And that's what people should be asking them. So if you're listening to this, the reason that I asked these questions, and I like how you we got into this because you asked the mountain question, is just you don't, when you spend your time climbing the wrong mountains, if you have the option to choose right now, don't wait another day. Fire it up. Yeah, I think for me, I don't want to look back and wish I documented more of this phase of my life. Mm, what does documentation look like? It looks like, and I, I think I'm not doing a good job of it right now, but it looks like how I'm navigating motherhood at this time where I'm also navigating a career and See, I, I, I don't think you have the issue with documentation. I think you have the issue of distribution. No, documentation in the sense that like, even, and I don't just mean like publicly sharing. I mean even journaling or even somehow keeping track of how like the struggles I'm having and how I'm working through that for myself and the things I'm experiencing, the good, the bad, the, all the things, all the questions I'm asking myself, all the things that I'm dealing with on a daily basis. Sure. I think that there's ways that I could publicly share some of it for the sake of potentially helping other people. But I think it's even more for me to look back on in the future because I think the best way that I've grown, like I find myself looking back on not just achievements, but on like really hard parts of my life. Like 
let's take the example of when I lost my dad and I was 22 years old and putting the pieces together of how to deal with that from afar. Sometimes when I'm going through a hard time right now, I think about that, those moments of when I was really, really low. And so like, I, I just feel that. But this is why I mean that documentation isn't the, the pain point. It's the distribution. Like you, you wrote some things during that time, probably on Instagram or somewhere, but it's, it's hard to find them. So mm. if you wanted, if you're thinking about them and you want to like retrace them, it would be hard. And this is what I think I've really been honing in on. And it's why podcasting is important, YouTube, creating playlists, under like blogs, if you sort them and segment them the proper way, like I think the next level of us documenting is distributing in a way so that we can utilize that information for the rest of our lives. I think that's the next level of of where we're at in in the journey of content and documentation. Now, again, I wanted to clarify because I wasn't necessarily speaking of you distributing to the masses either. I'm just talking about in an, even like in a notebook, like you mentioned, like if you put the note, if you do it in a notebook and then you throw the notebook in like a closet that you never look at again, like the distribution of those thoughts and those ideas or those stories isn't effective because you can't look back on that. So my challenge to you would just be, you're a wonderful writer. So either a newsletter that you can look back on or a blog or mm. something that combines your creative capacity for telling stories with video, photo, writing, so that even our son could look at one day. Like the Instagram, no one's gonna scroll back on an Instagram oh, yeah. for 20, like, 20 seconds to find the bottom. Like nobody does that. But like on a blog, you can segment through years and categories and whatever. And I think that's where you've just, you're, you're brilliant. And well, I have an, another question. That's kind of got me thinking about it when you're talking about like blogs and the different platforms and everything. What is something that is prevalent in society today is like used by pretty much everyone in the working world or from the personal side that you think is not going to exist in 10 years? And maybe it'll exist, but in a completely different way. So an example would be like people are posting IG stories and then 10 years from now they're not going to do could that. Could be that or it could be like resumes. I think something that people do today that they won't necessarily do in the future. I mean, my, my mind, where my mind goes is like, <laughs> the boring stuff, like the necessities of life, like how, like grocery stores, things well, like that's I, evolved so I, much. I like, think we've... I think in areas like that, it's tough to go to zero. Like it's tough for me to think about it something going to zero. Yeah. yeah. But if I had to place a bet on things that would be the closest to go to zero, the way that I think, I think about the past and things that have done that. So good example is Blockbuster. Netflix killed Blockbuster. Right. So what's the next like Blockbuster? blockbuster. What's mm -hmm. something that's physical that that's most likely will go or not digital? Just physical. Yeah. Or it could be that. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I'm just articulating how I think about this problem. 
it's like, what's the blockbuster of today? <sighs> I think it's going to be something with VR and AR that's going to knock out something that we, we do today. So areas that I think of are like, I mean, we're recording a podcast right now and I have these cameras. How is that going to change over the next 10 years? Like we, everyone has phone cameras. Like are like, how are robots going to change certain things? I think like offices are going to change going to an office. I think that whole concept is going to be different. If I were to place a bet 10 years, I think, I think our computer and phone situation is going to look a lot different. I think there's going to be disruption. People sitting at a computer all day. I just, I don't see it. What do you think about email? Do you think email will be disrupted? I don't know. I really like, I literally did a working meeting and email today. I just think we've overcomplicated things. Like, so today when I did a working session virtually with somebody, it's like, what are we talking about? Let's just either do a Word doc or in an email. And then here's what we're working on. Here's what we're working through. Here's the problem we're trying to solve. Who does what by when? And then you just send the email. And then we just go back and forth on that email. I don't think people use email the right way. Like to communicate back and forth on random shit, like that's stupid. But when you use it as a function of getting work done, great tool. It's hard to beat. I think it depends on what you're using it for. To my point, I think most people don't use it the right way. I just said that. Like the corporate world, people don't use it the right way. They use it as like, my job is to just send these emails and get whatever no, work off my so, plate. You, you that's how blanket most, statements. That's what that most people do. True. They send an email and they're like, no, okay, not my not problem anymore. Most people do. Until get an email back. That's not what most or people do. Or they bitch and moan that some, no. so-and-so hasn't answered their email in two days. No. <laughs> or they stress out about, oh my God, I got this email. That's word for word what I've seen from you before. Somebody sent me this email and I don't know how to respond to it. Like, okay, think about how stupid that, that is in, in, in the reality of our life. It's a message on a stupid computer. Okay, I wasn't like, go, trying to go down this path of <laughs> why you think email could be used differently. I was saying I think that that might be something that gets disrupted in the future. It's it's been around for a long time, pretty much. So yeah, but if we were to place a bet on that versus other things, I do think resumes. Though I, I brought that up, I feel like. Like job applications are going to be different. Don't you think? Like, I mean, that's another case for I, where I was AI, hiring someone. AI is going I, I, to. I had to hire people for my team recently, and I'm just like, I can't tell anything from this re- these resumes. Like, the, why? Why even? I mean, I get it to list out experience and everything, but how do you? I think that? I, I don't know. I think I think video and virtual reality could do. It's going to overtake that world. It's just like, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg just had a podcast in the metaverse with one of the biggest podcasters in the world. And What does they, that even mean? They could 3D see each other. So imagine like you're a thousand miles away. You're in a different country. We could like show up in the metaverse and 3D like see each other as an avatar. And it's just like, 
It's really weird. But like that's where the future's going. So when you're thinking of interviews and things like that, it's like like are people instead of having an interview is just like are you having an intro call where we just meet for like 15 minute coffee and you, I already have a video montage of everything you've ever done because we have AI to just montage everything that you've ever done. I don't know. Or just like take here's a good here's a good AI tool instead of me writing my resume, I just update my LinkedIn based on my portfolio and then it automatically creates yeah. a montage and sends it to the company that I want to apply to. Yeah. Next question. I guess I'm on the spot. Well, we'll go back to the, I remember the question that you wanted to ask me when we first started with, so I'll ask you, what is something that you thought was healthy a decade ago that it, you're no, you're, you like look back on yourself and like, what the hell were you thinking? Hmm. Running myself into the ground with exercise and barely eating. <laughs> okay, I didn't really think barely eating was healthy. Um, but I think that I definitely had a phase where I was having unhealthy habits thinking that they were healthy, such as doing rigorous amounts of exercise, like four-mile run before every workout or else I wouldn't do the workout. Like, I wouldn't do the workout unless I ran before it. Like, that's crazy. If you think about, now that I know so much about, like, the impact of stress, physical, like, you know, physical activity stress and non-physical activity stress on your nervous system, I can't imagine what my data looked like back then, how much my cortisol was probably raised by just putting myself through that. So... Yeah, I feel for, I mean, that's that's something that I think, unfortunately, women in today's society probably still struggle with that, is thinking that these trends are healthy, or taking, like, back-to-back workout classes. Like, okay, if you're having a good time, that's fine, but if you're doing it because you feel like you need to, then no. So, I think there's that. Um, what else? Not sleeping. Okay, no. Now we're now we're veering off track. I those aren't things that I thought were healthy. Those are just unhealthy things that I did. <laughs> I mean, I like the I like the fitness one. I like. I think a lot of people have misconception around. More is more. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think for me, mine was more based around nutrition. Like when yeah, we first oh started God. dating, it was so bad. <laughs> All I ate was like chicken and tuna and eggs. That was it. I need to be lean, lean muscle, pack it on. But you weren't, you didn't really even have that. Like you weren't saying that. I think it was more of a cost thing. I mean, it was, it was also a thought. It was like, what, what, I mean, I didn't eat, I didn't eat beef. I thought like beef was bad. True. I did too. I thought like avoiding red meat was healthy. And now I eat red meat every day. Yeah. And I feel way better. And I just look like it's crazy. Like you look at pictures and it's just like I was so inflamed. And my skin was different. And it was just like clearly lacking nutrients. So. What is the best stress management tool that you've 
adopted lately? I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you the one that I've always had and then I'll give you the one that's lately. I think the best thing that I've, I've done for a lot of my life, uh, adult life is being able to zoom out and not give a fuck. I have so, an example of that today. Literally looking at us as ants, like none of the shit matters. I think because of the pain I've been through with my health issues and then people dying and just realizing that like none of this really matters. So just like work hard, be a good human being and let the rest handle itself. I think that's, yeah. I mean, I ask myself the question of like, is this going to matter in five years? Is this going to matter? Nothing is ever going to beat that. Like that's the thing. Like you can do all the sauna, you can do all the ice, you can do all the meditation but if you can't, you posted something today like you can't control the first thought, but you can control the second. And I'm really good at my second thought being like, does this, does any of this yeah. matter? I had a situation today where I was telling you, I had a natural reaction to a message that I got that was a reactive message to something. And instead of me reacting to it, like my initial thought when I read it was like, uh, like, I made a mistake or like I, I need to correct this and I need to respond to this right away. I like controlled my second thought. Also, I used my breath. I think that that is another tool like zooming out, of course, but then like <sighs> taking a breath and like connecting with the fact that you're breathing and that you can take a deep breath and not respond and let yourself get clarity on what's actually running through your head, like that puts a lot in perspective. Yeah, you just have to realize what humans are programmed to do. Like your response was a natural response, but what created the response is new age. Like it used to be you had that response because like a tiger is about to attack you or something. So you have this (laughs) stress response, which to save your life, you would then take an action. You'd have a reaction. The issue is, as human beings, for whatever reason, we've created the stress in our own lives to react to everything and just be reactive rather than like taking the step back like you did, breathing, and then saying, like, none of it, this doesn't matter. This is, just because somebody else reacts doesn't mean that I have to. That's the other thing. It's just like, just because somebody else does something a certain way doesn't mean I have to be that way. And And that's another way that I've been good at. Like I've just been me. I asked myself like, what would a stoic do? Like what, (laughs) (laughs) how, how, literally I use that today. I was like, if I want to be a stoic, like really, how would I respond to the situation? And it was not sending a, another spiteful email back. That is not me. And that is not how I aspire to be. So it was a, Let's leave this. Sometimes the best response is no response. Yep. That sets the tone. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Wait, did I ask the last to, question? We got like time for like two more. So I asked you that one. Sorry, I took over. Wait, what was that one? Oh, the. Hmm. I think you were going to share another one, though. Another stress management practice. No, I guess like, cause I put that into two pieces. Like what, what do I generally do? And then you ask like, what do I do today to help with stress management? I think something that I do 
today, uh, going back to the constraints of time, since we've had Aiden, because my time is more constrained, I think I'm writing more things out just to physically see what is actually important. So I think that's a, a useful tool that people like anytime you you're mean? feeling stressed, like usually it's from things you have to do or things you haven't done or mm. things of that nature, especially if you're a go-getter mountain climber. And then you visually see like, what could you possibly do today or this week or this? Well, month? that's where, and I posted about this too, but you say this a lot is like ambiguity creates anxiety. So I feel overwhelmed sometimes when I have so much in my mind of things that have to happen and I nip the anxiety when I can, like you're saying, like write it all down and lay it all out and be like, okay, here's everything that's cluttering my head right now. What is achievable today? And but then at the just end, like, like chip away. It's, it's weight in your mind. Like in your mind, there's no bound. Like that's why you feel the stress. Like there's no constraints in your brain. But once you put them on paper, you realize that like some of the things that your brain is thinking about, you're just like, oh, I can't get that done. And then I can't get all of this done. And then you reduce the expectation to get all of it done. And at the end of the day, that's all that's creating stress is the expectation that we have to get all this done. But once we say, oh, some of this stuff I can kick the next week or the week after or some of this stuff I don't even care about. It's out of my brain. I decluttered. Yeah. Now I'm calm, cool, and collected. And and writing that down. And I think for me, I didn't do this in my past because one of them is just like I'm messy. Like in my notebook, I'm like, I, I thought there was a way to take notes or a way to journal. And I think anybody else out there, like my notepad is 11 by 11 or 8 by 11. I don't know, one or the other. It's like a big one. It's blank. It doesn't have lines. So I just like scribble stuff. And I write in it pretty much every day. Like today I did a YouTube video and I was feeling a little bit of stress for the YouTube video. I didn't even use the piece of paper that I wrote on, but before going into the YouTube video that we were scripting, I just wrote out a bunch of thoughts in my head and then I realized like, oh, this is how I want to format my yeah. day based on this. I do that this. before meetings too. And then I do, sometimes you just don't even use it. Oh them. yeah, I don't. I like if I'm leading a meeting or if I have a meeting to go into that I feel like I just need to get some thoughts out, I'll write like, here's the things I want to make sure I touch on. And then I'll be in that meeting and like present in the meeting and then never look at what I wrote down. But just getting it off my brain is an act of preparation. I think that helps. I'm sure that's the same thing that you felt today. Yeah, that's exactly it. I came up with a question. What is something that you do that you kind of like let yourself down? in certain circumstances. So it could be a particular instance. It could just be something that you catch yourself doing on a regular basis. I think some of the pressure and stress we feel sometimes going back to expectations is because in little moments we we're human. We let ourselves down in certain areas, especially if we're high achievers. And if we speak to them, then we're more likely to a take the pressure off us of saying like I'm a bad human for not doing this thing when I said I was going to do it or I did this thing and I shouldn't be doing this thing. I think it just allows us to take that breath like you're talking about and improve, but improve in a way that's not self-demonizing and, and self-deprecating. 
Hmm. Where am I letting myself down? This is a tough one to answer because I'm struggling right now with wanting to maintain like who I am in the sense of like high achieving, goal oriented, but also accepting that I have a huge new responsibility now and all those areas that I used to like strive for can't take up the same amount of my time. So it kind of feels like I'm letting myself down because I'm less strict on certain things. Like let's just use my workouts, for example. If if I wasn't a mother right now, I probably would be way more disciplined around training for something. Now I'm like, I just need to embrace like not training for something and working out for the sake of just general being healthy and showing up for myself a little bit each day. So in a way that's kind of letting myself down because I do feel like there's a part of me that's like hinder, like what's the word? Like I feel like I'm suppressed, suppressing, suppressing a little bit of who I am because normally I would get like feel alive by like going after something and really going hard in a new area that's not work related or something. And whether that's like a venture or some kind of fitness endeavor, but I feel now I'm learning what that looks like, how to navigate just getting by each day and staying healthy and obviously raising our baby to the best that we can. I feel that. Do I have time for one more question? Yep. What is your favorite part of fatherhood that you didn't think would be? Favorite part of fatherhood that I didn't think would be? So am I answering this as like my favorite, favorite part or like a eh. part that I love that I didn't anticipate loving? However, however you choose to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the, what you don't anticipate is more interesting because there's people that might be listening that may be soon to be fathers or they might be fathers in the future and this might give them something to look forward to that they wouldn't expect either. Yeah, I don't think this is something that... It doesn't fall in line with a favor, but it's something we've talked, to, talked about that I want to speak about where the whole going into fatherhood, people talking about fathers struggling to bond with their kid or their, their early infant and... They're newborn and infant and early childhood. And one that was frustrating for me to hear going into it, because I knew that I would not struggle with that. I knew that I would make it one of my favorite parts to bond with him right from the get-go. And then two, I don't like how we've almost allowed that to be the topic of conversation and talked about because it should be the opposite. It should be 
talking about how does a father bond with his newborn and his infant. And the way that you go about it, in my belief, I can only talk to my own life, is work hard at it. Just like you do your career or your content or everything else in your life. And hard work takes showing up when you don't always want to, when you're tired, when it's been a long day, when you're not feeling your best. And I think that's my favorite part of the unanticipated part of fatherhood that is my favorite part is how good it makes me every day. Hmm. And that being good every day will make me great over the long run because I do have flaws. So it's like I might not have great days every single day, but I'm pretty damn good every single day, no matter what happens. And he's going to feel that every day. And what it looks like practically for anybody that's a new, going to be a new father is when it, the baby is a newborn and your wife is either breastfeeding or bottle feeding the baby at night, when the baby's screaming, wake up, change the baby for her. Find ways to be fucking useful. And when you're useful and you're seen as useful both to your wife and to your baby, at the end of the day, that's love. Everyone feels it in the room. If you're changing your baby and he looks up at you and giggles, that is bonding. And I think not enough especially males, no one talks about that. They think bonding is like, oh, once a week, I'm going to go on a, I'm going to go take my son fishing. It's like, no, it's in those little moments that nobody sees. It's me choosing to hold my son and let him watch me cooking, which is harder than putting him down. I could put him down and not pay attention to him and cook our meal for the night. But that's not going to build as much of a bond as if I hold him in one arm and I, my cooking is a little bit slower and it's a little bit more tedious and it's a little bit hard. This is exactly what I did today. Like I literally filmed myself making a smoothie with him in my arms and I'm like walking him through what are we making and he's touching things and he's learning. That is something that is my favorite and I, I didn't anticipate that being the favorite part or one of the favorite parts. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. What was your favorite part of this episode? I don't know. I just like coming on here and talking. I feel like it's an extension of our evening conversations. And like, I don't know, sometimes at the end of the day, it can be tempting to just sit and veg out and think about the next day and whatever. And I feel like this time that we spend podcasting forces us to be like super present in the moment, focus on these conversations. And I find myself thinking about the conversations after the fact. And it goes back to what we were saying early on when I said that this is something that would be cool if we were doing it way earlier, because on my commute to work lately, I've been listening to our old podcasts and I'm inspiring myself from our conversations. Like some of them are from like 2020 and 2019 and it takes me back to the time when like we were in our apartment 
And um, the very first one, when we were in that Airbnb in San Diego, and I just think back to like where we were at that time, and now here we are. And it's interesting because a lot of our conversations are pretty similar to what they are now. But so much has changed. And so uh, anyway, I just think that I really like this time. And I'm excited for more conversations. That makes me happy. What do you think we could do better moving forward going into 2024 with these episodes? I think the more we can put ourselves in the shoes of listeners and the topics that we like to talk about. So health optimization, parenthood, relationships, training, and like juggling that with life. I think just maybe thinking more from the lens of what type of value can we bring based on our lessons learned and our experience. I think I agree. And I think a challenge I have for you going into our, con- our future conversations is you bring so much depth I feel when we're not on the podcast, you'll, you'll, and by, by depth, I mean like you'll send me a podcast and then you'll articulate something about the heart or the brain or how this thing is interesting to you. When I think value, I think that's what you need to be bringing to our conversations here. You need to, like, I didn't bring even know I did that. Same depth is just like the things that you send me bring them on to here so that other people can feel what I feel on it on a regular basis. And I don't, I want to convey here. You just don't notice because we're like in conversation here, but now that I'm pointing it out for you to like, think about, and it's my job to ask you questions about that and set you up for success on here to maybe ask you about, Hey, talk, let's talk about that podcast you sent me earlier and yada, yada. But I think for you, it's something to think about is how much you actually study every day when it comes to lifestyle, training, motherhood, all the things that you look at and compile. You're great at compiling and then reformatting the information in a legible way. And you do this at your job too. That's why you're highly valuable to your company is being able to synthesize this information. This platform is amazing for you to do that and I want to unleash that going into 2024 let's do it I'll talk all the things (laughs) great I'm looking forward to it if you like this episode and feel it was valuable to you or that it could be valuable to somebody else out there please share it with them it's the best thing that you can do for us second best thing you could do for us is give us that five star rating and review so that we can reach more people out there this is CJ and Zarin with the Thrive on Life podcast. Until next time, Thrive on, y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.